Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show, counting down the top 50 draft prospects. Part three, we unveil 30-21 to 21 as Mike Jarecki's season. Good to see Antoine Wesley back, though he wasn't going anywhere, and that's good news. First, though, J.J. Watt goes international. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 552, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown, DeAndre Hopkins. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So this has never happened to me. Maybe it's happened to you, MJ. I mean, I've been recognized once people hear or see the last name, but the beauty of being radio for much of my career is you don't have the facial recognition. So what happened to J.J. Watt over the weekend? You saw this? I did. All right. So J.J. Watt, active on social media, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, this kind of this, this, this opened up my eyes a little bit. J.J. Watt tweet, landed in London. Went for a walk around and was stopped by this woman who immediately said, no way, and started rolling up her pant legs. <laughs> he continues, <laughs> wasn't sure what to expect at that moment, but my own face wouldn't have made the top five guesses. Next level fan love, thank you. So you're like, okay, whatever. Well, you scroll down and there's this picture of this lady and she's wearing socks with J.J. Watt's face on them. So, one, you have the fact that J.J. Watt gets recognized overseas, across the pond, if you will, and two, just happens to run into a fan who's wearing J.J. Watt socks. One, I didn't even know J.J. Watt socks existed, let alone people wear them. Right. So, let's... But, I mean, you talk about timing. (laughs) There you go, yes. I mean, the fact that he's there and she happens to be in the same location, I mean, what are the odds of that happening? One in a million, one in two million, or worse. And the fact that she was wearing his socks, luckily she ran home and put them on. Yeah, no way. <laughs> Looked out the window. Hey, that looks like JJ Watt. Let me go change real fast. Nah, that's not what happened. So there is a there's a there's a, a second phase of this story as you go through some of the replies. Josh McMorrow replied to the tweet, "As Houstonians living in Europe, it was great to run into you. Glad you like Priya's socks." So apparently. Houston fans or Houston Texan fans or people that used to be in Houston now overseas, it's just randomly running into whether it's athletes or an actor. I that's never I've never had that happen. I mean, in all places, you know, it's one thing if you run into J.J. Watt or Kyler Murray here in Arizona or California close by. But you're on vacation or you're living overseas or a completely different state or country, and all of a sudden there's – gosh, that looks like J.J. Watt. And I'm sure he stands out in the crowd. I mean, the man's huge. Well, what what are the – you know, what if he would have walked down another street? <laughs> <laughs> it's just – I mean, I guess it's coincidence. Yeah, it, it's – I mean, it's, it's a one-in-a-million shot, and now you've got this moment for that – woman and Josh McMore and Priya. I mean, their lives, now, are, that, I, their day is set, their week, their month. I mean, you, you can't get any better than that. Yeah, but the the key there is, as we wrap the story up, they lived in Houston, so yes. obviously they would recognize J.J. Watt. But 
I'm sure others, but I don't know if they're wearing his socks, though. <laughs> no, no. And then there was another fan that tweeted that and that J.J. Watt retweeted that ran into him at Buckingham Palace. So I don't know how far our reach is here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But for the <laughs> British Bird Gang, if you are curious, J.J. Watt is in your area, somewhere <laughs> walking the streets, being a tourist, just like anyone else that visits England and London and all the landmarks overseas. But, yeah, J.J. Watt is uh, a man of the people. Yes. as it, we'll, we, we, What did we talk about late last week? Walking around and seeing him at an Angels Brewers Cactus League game and that impromptu meet and greet at Coach House in Scottsdale. I mean, J.J. Watt is getting around. I mean, quite literally getting around. Well, we know that he's 100% healthy. We know that the times that he's not on the road and traveling, he's been at the facility. And so this is what you do in the offseason. And obviously, you know, he's him and his wife right now, they, they love to travel. And maybe she's out of her season and he's out of his season right now. So, yeah, I, I just – it's amazing how much um, this guy has been able to do, whether it was in Houston, Wisconsin, Arizona, and just when he's on the road, you're like, you know, you usually if you're with your wife and you're having dinner, you know, sometimes you don't want to approach someone. But if he's just walking down the street, you know, he's very, he's very engaging. He's approachable. I mean, we always say this to different athletes. He gets it. A man of the people. He understands what he does impacts other people's lives, literally and figuratively from a fan standpoint, and then just the fact that he was willing and then had some fun with it as well. Exactly. So I'm glad we got a picture, though. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, the story's <laughs> like, what? What are you talking about? But, yeah, so – and the other thing is, who knows, maybe there's a run on J.J. Watt socks now. We'll have to see if that makes its way into the team shot. But uh, we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Some other news and notes, not nearly as big as J.J. Watt socks, but it is done. It is official. Not that Antoine Wesley was going to go anywhere, but he has signed his one-year tender he was tendered a contract back in March as an exclusive rights free agent, but he was in the building, signed his name, and now it is done. Antoine Wesley is officially under contract for the 2022 season. I think he really jumped and made an outstanding first impression and a lasting impression, really, last season, especially with what he was able to do when DeAndre Hopkins was not on the field. Yeah, and one of the things that he has where, you know, the Cardinals are looking for that number two receiver, he has size. And, you know, the fact that Kyler trusts him, uh, maybe he was out of necessity, and he played for Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech, so he's familiar with the system. Um, not to be redundant, but, he, you know, I got a, we got a chance to talk to him after the season, and some of the things he wants to work on is his route running. You pointed out initially that he needs to go a little bit stronger because some of those passes were in his hands and got knocked out. So uh, when you look at depth on the roster, he's probably four or five. Um, but the fact is that, you know, he there is some upside to his game, and he's only going to get better if he puts the work in. You like the size, six foot four, 206 pounds, a big target as an outside wide receiver. Now is he that outside receiver here this season? I don't think he's quite there yet. In fact, I hope he's not there quite yet. I just need to see a little bit more. But he was thrust into that role late last season. And in the final three games with D-Hop on the sidelines, 19 catches, excuse me, eight catches, 76 yards, and three touchdowns over those last three games. Yeah, and, and we know that when it came to the wide receivers, um, they weren't scoring a lot of touchdowns late in the year. You know, you had James Conner, obviously, you know, 
uh, with the short yardage stuff and then, you know, Zach Ertz. And, yeah, he provided that where they didn't get a whole lot of production touchdown-wise from Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore. And, obviously, Moore had some uh, some injuries there. So, yeah, I mean, um, whether he's the fourth or fifth receiver, we know that, obviously, that position needs to be uh, more top-heavy uh, and adding another two, depending on what, even if they sign A.J. Green, I'm still looking at another another receiver, whether it's in the first or second round. I like that description. It needs to be top-heavy because right now it's just DeAndre Hopkins. And that's nothing against Rondell Moore, but he is still somewhat of an unknown. You do it for one season, that's great, but it was a lot of flashes, not a lot of consistency in that first season. So you still have D-Hop. Now it's like – all right, what else you got? Yeah, but it's always not, it's always refreshing to go back and when you first time we heard it was Sean Jefferson and then Kingsbury mentioned at the combine that they probably should have used him in a different role versus just talking eye, about Rondell Moore. Ron, yeah, instead of maybe just eye candy, you know, get him on the outside. Clearly, he's going to replace Christian Kirk in the slot, but he has the ability with that speed. And if he's drawn on the outside, maybe you're drawn the second or third corner, and you got to like your matchup there. So I, it's refreshing that they didn't go well. You know, that's his role, and he's going to have to accept it. No, they, they, you got to find a way to get him because he is a playmaker when he gets the ball in his hands. Right now, as we speak, again, Monday, April 11th, we're still in the midst of free agency, whether you want to talk about second way, third way. We've got the draft coming up. But the depth chart at wide receiver, at least, and correct me if I'm wrong here, MJ, but this is how I read the Cardinals' wide receiver depth chart, and it is top-heavy. DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, Antoine Wesley, Greg Dorch, Andy Isabella, Andre Bacellia. Those are your six wide receivers currently on the roster. Who knows if that is added to with A.J. Green, someone in free agency, you hope. Obviously, we both think that wide receiver is a need come the draft, whether that's day one or day two. And you always say, what, 12 to 13, maybe 14 receivers brought to camp. So that's six. It's going to double by the time we get to first week of August, last week of July. Yeah, and we got a chance to, to pre- preview what the Cardinals could do offensively, not only in the first round, but in, in the you know maybe the second day. And I thought Darren Urban brought up a good point. It wouldn't surprise him if they drafted two wide receivers, whether you get one early. And, again, they do have multiple picks when it comes to the sixth and seventh round. Again, you can't fill every position, but I, I, I would agree. And then, you know, a lot of guys that, uh, maybe didn't play the last year for different reasons, and they go undrafted. They're going to bring in some undrafted free. Now, I was told normally you, you'll bring in f- maybe 15 to 18. I think this year they're only going to bring in 7 to 10, and, and they they value the top players because they're going to get a little bit more money. So before you just bring in a guy, you give him $1,500, you know, $5,000, and you, you have a pool and you spread it out. It appears, based on the numbers, that they're going to lessen that and try to go after guys that they feel like maybe that he couldn't get in the pass. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's it's how they handle those undrafted free agents because you can only go up to 90, and it depends. You know, If you add more than the eight draft picks that they have, then that obviously shrinks the number of undrafted rookie free agents. If you go heavier in free agency and add players, that obviously shrinks the number of undrafted rookie free agents. But if you're just focusing on – 10 as opposed to 20, you know, and we'll see what happens during the rookie minicamp and some tryout players that are brought in. Can someone open up a coach's eye and say, hey, let's bring him on board, see what he's got. 
doesn't mean he's going to be on the active roster come September, but it does, again, you're talking about slots, and I think, what, each position group, you probably have X number of players that you can slot at each position group. Yeah, because right now, I mean, if, even if the Cardinals drafted a, a tight end, they would have eight. You usually bring six to camp. So, again, uh, once you get through the um, the rookie mini camp and, and part of the OTA, you'll, you'll see them go back and reflect on the roster, what areas are concerned, where, what areas are we deeper at, where maybe we don't need as many um, back into the roster. But we know this team, you know, when it came to push come to shove last year, uh, their depth was questioned late in the year. You mentioned that draft primer on azcardinals.com and the Arizona Cardinals YouTube channel. It was myself, you, Darren Urban, and Danny Sarek breaking down the offensive needs on what this team might look at come the draft. And remember, three picks in the seventh round, two in the sixth, so that's five late-round picks. And those picks, I wouldn't say they are just throwaway or flyer picks, but you don't know. And what positions you target with those three picks, are you better apt to look at maybe a lineman or a skilled position player because if you do like them and they stick on, they got to be able to play special teams before they can play either offense or defense or respectively. Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, a lot of teams will get on the phone in the sixth round and say, hey, if you don't get drafted, we'll, we'll bring you in. Again, normally that's 15 to 18 players because right after the draft you have scouts and uh, position coaches calling players that maybe attend at the pro day they have a relationship with. But, you know, I, I mentioned on the primer that it wouldn't surprise me now if they took a quarterback in the seventh round. Now, they have had private workouts with two different quarterbacks. Again, Trace McSorley's on the roster. Um, this would be more of a practice squad guy, uh, possibly. But I think they want to get someone that has a similar skill set to Kyler, not that Colt McCoy's the backup. This is more running the scout team, even though Colt will do that. But you kind of want to have a guy in here that the defense can defend on, considering – and I haven't looked at how many mobile quarterbacks they will face for the upcoming season. Well, you usually have four quarterbacks initially on the roster, and that fourth becomes a lot of that guy that either runs the scout team or does a lot of the throwing to the lower back-end roster types to kind of help them get the reps. And four is usually what many people have either, I wouldn't say full-time, but even during the regular season with one of those on the practice squad. Cardinals did not last season. They had three on the active roster or the 53-man roster, and sometimes that third quarterback is typically on the practice squad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you definitely want to bring four to camp um, just from numbers-wise, and I don't anticipate seeing Kyler Murray uh, play any uh, – I don't know this, but I assume he's not going to play a ton in the preseason. Um, does Colt McCoy need to play? Maybe just because you're going to – you know, I think I anticipate Antoine Wesley being out there, uh, Dorich, um, Pacelli, Isabella's still on the roster. So you got to have somebody that can throw the ball to him. But I would assume, you know, you want to get your, your backups more playing time because the next time they play is going to be in a real game. I think we've all learned our lesson with respect to preseason football and what that tells us and what it doesn't tell us, specifically when you're talking about that first team that if we don't see Kyler Murray on the field at all for those three preseason games, I'm not going to bat an eye. I'm not going to matter. Talk. I mean, we'll discuss it, but I'm not going to not going to go on a rant or yell. Now, there was a lot of that last season because what was it? 11 snaps. 11 snaps and three three and outs or whatever. And it just didn't look good. And then obviously week one, they blitzed the Tennessee Titans, ran them right out of their own stadium. So for some players, yes, your rookies, 
second-year, third-year players, maybe even someone that is trying to gain a roster spot, a veteran that is trying to look at a second lease or a third lease on life in the National Football League. Yeah, those reps matter. But for Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, James Conner, James J. Watt, Buda Baker, it, it, it doesn't mean as much. And it, it shouldn't. I mean, fans, yeah, we all want to see them play and get excited, but let's not put a lot of stock in preseason football. And that's a lesson that I learned after last season. I understand. And to me, you know, the thing is, it's always nice to go against a different opponent. And they were playing the Chiefs. So, you know, that would have been a good matchup. You know, I like the way that Isaiah Simmons played in that game. He was covering, you know, Nicole Hardman, which is not easy. And But I, I anticipate Zayvon Collins to play a lot in the preseason because he's got to get the reps. So there's, there's certain guys, but – the worst thing is you don't want to have any injuries to your five-star players. Like, you know, Rodney Hudson, I, I mean, I know they don't have a backup center right now. And and maybe the, the thought is we're going to just play for a series, you know, knock some of the rust off, we're going against a different opponent, keep it vanilla. But they're they're in their fourth year right now. They, they know what this offense is going to look like. Now you add some more players, and then obviously you make tweaks to the system, so there's no drop-off in the second half of the season. So – I'm sure they'll have a plan for that, but I, I'm not going to yell fire in a theater if we don't see the starters in the preseason. Well, speaking of the Tennessee Titans, don't forget, according to the Titans side of things, Mike Vrabel announcing during the annual league meeting that there is going to be joint practices between the Titans and Cardinals. Not confirmed on the Cardinals' end as of yet, but no reason to think it's not. So all of a sudden, those practices, whether it's one day, two day, three days, I don't know how the schedule is going to fit, but... I would put more stock in those reps. Now all of a sudden, Kyler Murray not seeing a huge rush, but now all of a sudden is throwing to a wide receiver that he's comfortable, knows, but that's not a DB that he has seen for the past three or four weeks in training camp. Now all of a sudden it's someone else, a different color jersey, and then you work on the timing and where do you like the football. And the same goes for the other side, for the Cardinals defenders on a pass catcher, a skilled player for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And to me, that that's where I always mention, you know, you can put your number one corner and the number one wide receiver, and there'll be individual drills. I'll be in full pads where now all of a sudden you have your left tackle going against a pass rusher, you know. So, and usually um, it's a gentleman's agreement and players know you don't touch the quarterback, so he should be protected. Maybe he'll be wearing a different jersey just color-wise so you make sure you don't get close to him. And if that happens, then you're going to see a lot of fights. Well, there might be a little bit that <laughs> anticip- uh, the, the intensity gets ramped <laughs> up and the adrenaline, and then that might be a little pushing. I don't, I'm trying to think. I don't know of a joint practice in which there isn't at least – some I wouldn't say a skirmish, not a fight, but at least some jawing back and forth, a little pushing and shoving. Heck, it happens in your own training camp after so many days. Yeah, and, and usually, again, the head coaches will come to an agreement, but Mike Rabel's known to be a physical, um, you know, he was a player, and he, you could, when you look at the tight, uh, the Titans, they're a physical football team, so they're going to try to want to show how, where they are in training camp. But again, it's more how you practice. You don't want to see guys get on the ground. There's there's a way to practice, and, and they're professionals. So, I, I I would think if it's two or three days, maybe that second day, and if if it's hot and humid out there, and you start getting under somebody's skin, yeah, maybe. But for the most part, I mean, it's just and what the problem is sometimes you have an undrafted free agent or a seventh round pick, and he's trying to make the roster in one day. And there's a way to practice. And sometimes you just got to say, slow down. Um, you know, we're all trying to, you know, 
get a bite at the apple. But you can't fault a guy that's an undrafted free agent where he's trying to make an impression not only on the team he's playing with, but also the team they're going against. Yeah, there is that fine, fine line. line that yeah. do you yeah. try to figure out and what do you do and do you you want players to go full speed and make an impression yet at the same time cross that line you don't want and then all of a sudden someone gets hurt and feelings are hurt and then all of a sudden it, yeah, it's, it can get ugly at times and it did last season between the Titans and Buccaneers. So knock on wood, it's a uh, more controlled and beneficial for both parties to have that joint practice at one at some point during the preseason coming up. Well, and, and if you want to settle the score, if, if they're happy to play that weekend, then all of a sudden that's when you can settle the score. Absolutely. <laughs> Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. All right, we are less than three weeks away from the 2022 NFL draft. We continue to count it down. Mike Jarecki's top 50 draft prospects. We are now at number 30. We'll go to the next 10. So counting down 30 to 21. If you missed any of the previous countdowns, just go to the archives, azcardinals.com, or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can figure out who Mike Jarecki had at 44 or who he had at number 35. But we are going to begin at number 30, and it is a wide receiver that some mock drafters out there have pegged for the Cardinals at number 23, but it's a wide receiver out of Penn State, Jahan Dotson, senior, 5'11", 178, and I'll give my opinion on that size, but tell me about Jahan Dotson. He ran a 4-4-3. His vertical was 36. He was a third-team Associated Press All-American last year, second-team All-Big 12 conference wide receiver. Um He's a guy that also returns punts, and you start looking at his punt returns. I mean, over the last couple years, I mean, he had 25 uh, punt returns for 388 yards. He did have one return for a touchdown. Now, you mentioned the size, 5'11", 184 pounds. He's a guy that, when you look at it, Craig, he plays a little bit bigger than maybe his his, uh, size is. Over his career, 183 receptions, close to 25. 2,700 yards, about 25 touchdowns. He actually has 20 touchdowns in the last two seasons. Third team AP All-American, second team All-Big Ten, and the average on punt returns just over seven a game. But size-wise, it's not a wide receiver that I am looking at. At number 23, I've made myself very clear as far as an outside wide receiver. That's where this team needs to add, whether that's in free agency and or the draft. I think we've got our fill of slot receivers, and I don't know where Dotson would peg inside or outside or a combination of both. But, you know, if all things are equal amongst wide receivers, I'm going for the taller one that's 6'2 and 6'3, 6'4. Nothing against Dotson, but I just – this offense needs to grow, and there seems to be too much of an emphasis or too many smaller wide receivers over the last several years. You know, I was thinking about this over the weekend. Let's, let me give you a hypothetical. Let's say like a guy like Tyreek Hill was in this draft, and you still had Rondell Moore, and, and, and you had DeAndre Hopkins. Would you not take him because of his size? Well, yeah, because at that point I don't know anything about Tyreek Hill. You're talking about now, you know, 2020 hindsight, yeah, well, take Tyreek Hill because you can do so many different things. And who's to say Dotson is not that player five years from now, three years from now? That's the unknown. That's the roll of the dice of the NFL draft. I just You go by what the tape shows you, and you're like, all right, we got another 5'11 guy. And, I, again, 
My preference, my personal preference. No, to me, when you have Hop on the left side and you have the guy on the right side that's, you know, a guy that's 6'3", 6'4", you can do so many different things with your offense. Now, his comparison is Emmanuel Sanders. Um, you know, the, the thing about him, he's projected to go in the first round. I mean, you, you look at where he's projected, it's he's either um, – first round or early second round and you know do the Cardinals decide he's worth 23rd overall you know according to one scout he says he's got some weaknesses that are going to give him trouble in the league but you really can't crush him for them because he's a he's he's really a, a good runner and a very smart player according to a scouting director in the NFC team um Weaknesses, not as comfortable working between the hashes. Some stumble um, when he comes out of his breaks. Now, the, the interesting thing is his acceleration off the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's got good size for his considering, how, you know, he's not 6'5". Um, he's a guy that can, you know, take the ball um, from the line of scrimmage because of his return skills. So I've seen his name mocked with the Cardinals, but, it, again, it kind of goes against what they really want is a big physical receiver. All right, so that's at number 30. Counting down, number 29, we go defense. Minnesota outside linebacker Boye Mafe, senior, six foot four, 261 pounds, and here is where we come up with another name as far as edge rusher is concerned. Yeah, he uh, he ran a 4-5-3. Um, he was invited to the senior, senior bowl, 2021 third team all Big Ten conference, uh, second team all team leader in tackles and tackle for losses and over the last couple seasons. He, he also makes the Bruce Feldman freak list, reportedly 40.5 vert, 10.6 broad, and his power uh, clean was over 400 pounds. So he's a guy that's 6'3 half, 255 pounds. Um, you look at him from a standpoint of he's, he's a played in only 13 games started. He's played in 42 more special teams over the last year. He's only started thir- uh, 13 games. Um, tackle for losses, 19, 15 sacks. Um, he's a guy that obviously y- y- you would hope that he can come in and play right away, but he may be a rotation player initially. You mentioned the Senior Bowl name, national team player of the game. Two sacks, a forced fumble, so that jumps off the page as far as what you were able to do in the game. And obviously a lot of scouts look at what you did during the week, those practices in the Senior Bowl, because now all of a sudden you're getting matched up against talent that either is better than you or how do you handle that and then some talent that maybe you should outbeat at work and then do you do that so uh it's an interesting name out there that you have at number 29 yeah he's been compared to Rashawn Gary uh, according to scouts he said the numbers the strength coach put him through are crazy if he hits the combine like he's supposed to he's going to shoot up there that's according to a scout in the NFC team um again explosive athlete power jab steps can open up inside and outside angles Weaknesses, false starts when he takes a, a bad, um, you know, first step. So there's things to work on, but obviously none of these guys are polished. No, and you're going to have someone come in, and then all of a sudden it's all right. What do you know? What can you do? What you need work on? And none of these players, even though Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau, guys that you're going to hear their name called early in round one, now all of a sudden they're they're they'll still need some work, and there's no guarantee that they even hit despite hearing their name called early. Yeah, you know, one thing that sticks out, it says he has the traits and toughness developed into an above-average starter in a 4-3 defense. So 4-3. 
Now, I did get a chance to talk to one of the defense's coaches last week, and I said, would you guys ever play a five-man front? And he said, we do that, but obviously you got two linebackers on the outside, and then you got three. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Cardinals started loading up on the defensive line and get your playmakers in with your Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. We'll see what happens. But I did ask a coach the other day, and he said, we do that. But I was thinking, you know, go to four four guys with their hand in the dirt and then have a joker like Marcus Golden coming off the edge. So we'll wait and see. But according to Chad Reader, who does all the write-ups, he thinks he's more uh, set for a 4-3. But to me, these guys are interchangeable. You know, you come in here and you, you can utilize his skill set and he fits. Does, does he fit? The question becomes, does he fit your scheme, though? You don't want to force something. True. You don't want to put that proverbial round peg in a square hole. So, boy, A. Mafe coming in at number 29 on Mike Drecke's top 50 draft prospects. Moving down to 28, a quarterback, second one on your big board, MJ. Pittsburgh signal caller. Kenny Pickett, senior, finished third in the Heisman Trophy voting, second-team AP All-American, ACC Player of the Year, ACC Offensive Player of the Year. Yes, there's questions about his hand size. I think those questions have been answered just based off the production that he had this past season. Yeah, I mean, he's got good size. He's 6'3 and a quarter, 217 pounds. Uh, he was at the Senior Bowl. I mean, this guy, people will say, well, is he a you know, one-hit wonder, kind of like Kyler Murray was, you know, had one great year. But you look at him, I mean, he's he's he played in 52 games. He had 49 starts. He's had 21 starts over the last two years. Um, obviously, he's a guy that redshirted his first year. Um, so he's got the starts. His completion percentage is about 63%. He's thrown for over 12,000 passes. Now, he has fumbled the football a lot. And that's the issue now. We've gone back to Joe Burrow and, you know, Jared Goff. And when it comes to hand size, you know, he did play in Pittsburgh. I don't know how many late games they had in November and December. Um, you know, I think the Steelers would be an option for him, if not Malik Willis. Obviously, they had the, they share the same facility. So people are wondering how he can perform in cold weather with those hands. Obviously, he played in Pittsburgh, and I don't think it's as big a deal as people are making it out. He is going to be a first-round pick. Now it's a matter of does – I think there's two definitely going in the first round, Malik Willis and Kenny, uh, Kenny Pickett. It's uh, – and I, the, the hand size, and I, and I get it because you're always looking for certain marks. And then all of a sudden, if you exceed those marks, all right, we can put you into this category. If you're not, then we are looking at this. But – how do you argue 4,300-plus passing yards, 300-plus completions, an ACC record, 42 passing touchdowns? I mean, that's what he did last season. And only seven interceptions. So, you know, he's doing something right. And that's a Power 5 conference, Power 5 school. No doubt. And, again, if, the, if there's one knock, it's the hands. But I mean, and, and the ball is a little bit bigger. Um, and I'm not going to dispute that. But if he would have played on the West Coast, like, you know, not like Josh Allen and Carson Wentz. They played in cold weather. But if he'd have played on the West Coast, maybe. But he played at Pittsburgh. Okay, so and he grew up in he grew up in New Jersey. He went to Ocean Township High School. So he's he grew up in the cold weather. So I don't think that's going to be a factor. He will be a first round pick. Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. Just how many quarterbacks will hear their name called on that first day? Now he's been compared to Andy Dalton in his prime years. Andy Dalton was very successful. Unfortunately, he won a playoff game. Now he broke Dan Marino's Pittsburgh passing records. Comes from an athletic family with bloodlines. Has good size and physical tools to be a pro. 
jaw-dropping uh, improvement across the board in 2020. Again, a, a touchdown-interception ratio went from 13 to 9 in 20 to 42 to 7 in 2021. So there's a lot of upside with him. And according to a scout, is he the next Joe Burrow or Kyler Murray? Where early picks after being a one-year wonder, some will, team will uh, will try to make that connection and will overdraft them. That's a lock. Personnel director from an AFC team. So we'll see. Kenny Pickett, certainly an intriguing name. Staying on the offensive side at number 27 on MJ's big board, Iowa center Tyler Linder, Linderbaum, Jr., 6'2", 296, and someone that uh, certainly was the best center in all of college football. The question is, is he going to play right away, or do you maybe that first season, depending on what your roster looks like, is he a guard? Can he play those three interior positions? Well, I talked to one of our scouts, and he said he's a center. Now, you normally in this in this day and age, you you should be able to do a little bit of both. Um, he doesn't have the the biggest arms, and you can hide him inside. The one thing that sticks out to me, and and I think he's one of the best offense linemen in the draft. Unfortunately, he doesn't play left left tackle or right tackle. He's an inside guy. Um, he's played in thirty five games, thirty five starts. You ready for this? Pass block snaps, thousand forty four. He only gave up two sacks. Two that, sacks. That's impressive. And he he plays for Kurt Ferentz. Um, the Big Ten has a lot of good linemen coming out, uh, usually Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State. Even we're starting to see more players from Purdue. He was the Remington Trophy winner for the nation's top center. First, first team Associated Press finalist for the Outland Trophy Award, which is for the nation's top interior lineman. I mean, you can't say enough about this guy. Um Honestly, if the Cardinals didn't have Rodney Hudson, who's under contract next year, I would think he'd be a viable option. Now, I do think he's going to go somewhere between 17 and pie. If Pittsburgh doesn't take a quarterback, and if you're Philadelphia, you got multiple picks now, right? Jason Kelsey's not getting any younger. Now, when you got multiple picks, you can take a flyer and a guy, not a, and this guy would not be a flyer. This guy, he's kind of reminds me of Quentin Nelson, who was a high pick. But to me, if he would he, – if he was a tackle, he'd be a top 10 pick. That's how good he is, and he's really smart. And, again, according to Bruce Feldman, he's on his freaks list, reportedly a 1.55 in his 10-yard split. He ran a 4.22 in his 20-yard shuttle. So he can get to the second layer if you need to in the run game. Chargers pick at 17, then the Eagles, Saints, Steelers at 20, Patriots, Packers, before the Cardinals select at number 23. Yeah, and the comparison, according to Lance Zerline, is Jason Kelsey. Um, he loves to compete. He brings uh, to the opponents. I mean, this guy, he, he could be a Pro Bowl player for a long, long time. He's got a wrestling background. We know that that can be a help you, especially when you're in the trenches. Get snap, hand where it needs to be. He's got great frame. Now, his weaknesses, he's listed at 300 pounds, likely a scheme um, dependent to move a blocker. Um, he does struggle sometimes against double teams and bull rushers. Um, according to a personnel uh, director in the NFC team, he said he really fun tape. He's going to be really hard to beat in the spot. He's just small by our standards, but and that worries me, unquote. Former defensive tackle in high school. So that transition has not been on the offensive side of the ball a long time. Suffered a foot injury in the Citrus Bowl, so – they were a little bit cautious with him since, but I don't think there's going to be any problems with him coming in right away for any team that might draft him. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I kind of go back and forth on drafting Lyman in the first round. I mean, Cardinals did it with Jonathan Cooper, Leonard Davis, um, D.J. Humphrey, so it's hit and miss. 
and sometimes you find out are they a guard or tackle, but I still think you can find these uh, linemen in the second or third round. Got a run on offensive players as we continue to work our way towards number 21 in at 26, another quarterback. So two quarterbacks here in our last three discussion points, but Liberty quarterback Malik Willis checks in at number 26 on Mike Jarecki's big board, and this is one of those names that I'll be honest with you didn't hear a lot about during the course of the season, but then once the season ends and everyone starts looking at quarterbacks because they always get elevated, they always get moved up the draft board, all of a sudden more and more people talking about Malik Willis, and the tape certainly is impressive. Yeah, I don't know if uh, another guy has – his stock is as is, is, is high as his is right now. I mean, he can go two overall. He can go to top five, top six. I don't think Detroit will take him, but I can see Carolina taking him. I could see a team possibly moving up. Now, he went to Auburn, and then he transferred to, to Liberty. And over the last couple of years, I mean, he's put up big numbers. I mean, 2021, 2,800 passing yards, 27 passing touchdowns, and 13 starts. In 2020, he led the uh, college football in rushing, 944 yards, four rushing touchdowns. Um, you look over the last couple of years, he started 23 games. Um, his completion percentage is about 62. One thing he reminds me of is Trey Lance and Kyler Murray, the way the ball jumps out of his hands. Now, pro days can be overrated. They're scripted. You're thrown against air. But his ball comes out. And I don't know if an, another guy – because initially we're not going to see a quarterback in the top ten, and you're the first to say, oh, wait till we get to the draft, Mike. It's going to happen. Well, it's happening now because you see his upside. And, you know, obviously, you know, playing at Liberty, people aren't going to question that so much. I think we look at Josh Allen and Carson Wentz. They didn't play in, uh, you know, a Power 5 conference. But this guy, he's going to be a dual threat. And I think he's, if he goes to a good team that has a good coaching staff and they, they're willing to work with him and not throw him into the mix wide array, I think he can have a bright future. He's probably my favorite quarterback in this draft. Just with the way the ball comes out of his hands. Again, um, you look at he's six feet three and uh, three eighths, two twenty. So he's not skinny. His hands are nine and a half. And again, he did go to Auburn, but he obviously transferred. A true dual threat when you're averaging four and a half yards a carry with 13 rushing touchdowns. So is that you know? And we're seeing more and more quarterbacks come out of college, not. NFL teams are no longer trying to change you. They're adapting to the college game, especially with these athletic quarterbacks and now implementing a lot more of the running style and the running ability of quarterbacks, i.e. Kyler Murray. Yeah, according to Lance Zerline, he's got the arm of Jake Cutler. He's got the build and play, uh, play style of Jalen Hurts. He ran 100-plus yards five times over the last two seasons. You don't want to do that in the NFL. But he's electric when he gets in the open field. Again, you got to protect these guys. Now, some of his weaknesses, clearly, when you look at it, is um, below average climb in the pocket and staying staying in the pocket and throwing it. Drops his eyes rather quickly instead of looking down the field. So, again, you go to Liberty, you're not going against the greatest competition, but you can see the upside here, and he will be a first-round pick. Well, Detroit, do they need a quarterback? The Texans, do they need a quarterback? Panthers at number six, Falcons at number eight, Seahawks at number nine. So there's some quarterback is going to hear their name called, and maybe there's two in the top 15. Uh, could be, yeah, the way it's looking. I mean, I I think depending on what you like, but I think Willis will be number one and then Pickett and then probably Corral maybe more in the second round. Detroit can make a – they can draft a quarterback with the first pick in the second round, I want to say. So 
But I do think, and, and then Ritter's out there. He's kind of a project, but I, I like the way he throws the ball. But it's not, again, I don't know if anybody's guys are going to be franchise quarterbacks, but you, you're drafting for the future. And a lot of times it's which team you go to, what's the what's the you know the quarterback coach and the head coach and, and the offensive coordinator that all that that all helps the process when you start looking at franchise quarterbacks Mike Jarecki's top 50 draft prospects as we can it down numbers 30 to 21 here on Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals all right staying on the offensive side of the ball in at number 25 offensive tackle northern Iowa Trevor Penning Six seven three twenty five, a three year starter at left tackle, and another quality performer. But again, smaller school out of Northern Iowa. Yeah, and we've seen so you know guys come from smaller schools. Now you know not so much his forty time, but he had a four eight nine. Um, he he actually lifted twenty eight uh, on the bench. His twenty yard shuttle was four two. I mean, you're talking about a guy that his arms are 34 and three quarters. His wingspan is 84 inches. Um, career, he's played in a 37 games. He started 33. He was the first team AP, FC, All American, first team All Missouri Conference. He was invited to the combine, and he, re- I'm sorry, he was invited to the Senior Bowl, and he really stood out. Maybe it's because of the size. Um, again, he's on Bruce uh, Feldman's freak list. He reportedly squatted 625. 385 on the clean, and he was expected to run under five on a 40-yard dash. He ran a 4.89. Here he is. So 33 starts, Craig. He's uh, pass blocking over 1,094. He's given up seven sacks. For his career. For his career. That's according to Pro Football Focus. So, again, not the greatest competition, but we've seen guys. And and, and I don't know if he's more of a right tackle or left tackle, but it's going to be hard to get your hands around on this guy when your wingspan is 84 inches and your arms are 34. What he did at the Senior Bowl really stood out. The practices ahead of the Senior Bowl game, Daniel Jeremiah riding the highlights of Penning's nasty finishes continued to make the rounds on social media. He earned rave reviews for those plays, although they didn't come as a surprise. And then Jeremiah pointed out, look, he did not see, talking about Penning, did not see a lot of elite pass rushers in college. So those practices during Senior Bowl certainly important and by all accounts he he passed and passed maybe with an a plus and the guy that compared him to is john runyon we know runyon was a he was a tough guy for the philadelphia eagles they're, they're saying more size and demeanor and then riley reef play style he was, he was a three-year starter at left tackle gritty throwback field demeanor um you know he added 100 pounds since entering college uh, clearly he was a lot thinner than He's got good bend for a guy because you got to worry about the bend on a guy that's six seven. You know, you, you always you got, can't you just use your back. You got to bend your knees and get in there. Weaknesses we'll have to learn to control his harness, uh, on uh, his, his his harness in the field. Um, he needs to improve in pass protection, but he's a guy that, according to scouts, don't overthink it when you write it up. He's got great size, length, toughness. He's smart. He works his tail. off, loves football. This is what you're looking for in a starting tackle, an executive in the NFC. And obviously, if it's the Cardinals at number 23 going with an offensive tackle, does he have enough? Can he beat out a Calvin Beecham who's only under contract for one year? Dare I say, can you beat out a D.J. Humphreys? Again, only under contract for one more year. Or is this one of those things where it is Humphreys 2.0, redshirt that first season, and you become a starter in year two of the National Football League? Yeah, I mean, according to Bucky Brooks, he has him as his fourth best uh, 
tackle in, in, in football, again, I, I go back and forth. I know that, you know, it starts in the trenches, but, man, they've got so many other needs, receiver, pass rusher, D-line, corner. And I think you can find guys in the second and third round, but, you know, there's a reason why we're going to see four or five tackles go off the board before the Cardinals are picking. We could see a couple uh, uh, guards, and we could see at the center from um, Iowa. So it'll be interesting, but I, I think it's it's – they have to look at the future. I mean, I, I would assume D.J. Humphreys is, is at some point going to get an extension. Don't know that for sure. He's got to play better. Kelvin Beecham, you know, he played at a high level last year. I think he was one of their better linemen towards the end of the season. I go back to that Dallas game. He held his own. And then you hopefully, you know, Rodney Hudson can stay healthy because that's and, – and I don't think Sean Cougar's opposed to not playing a rookie. I know if, if they drafted a kid from Iowa <laughs> – they, they, I would think they would try to move him to guard. I mean, even though they went out and got Will Hernandez, but you know, I'm getting ahead of myself here. But I just think you can find linemen in the second and third round. And again, it's not a need as far as a there are other starter. Yeah, there are other higher needs, i.e., pass rusher, which brings us to prospect number 24, outside linebacker out of South Carolina, Kingsley. Enegbari, senior, 6'4", 258, got some great size, but he was more productive. Everything I was reading, he was more productive as a junior than he was this past season. There was no doubt about it. I mean, he accepted an invitation to the Senior Bowl. He ran a 4'82". He is 261 pounds. His vert was 36'4". Um, yeah, first-team All-SCC is a year ago, led the team with six sacks, three tackle for losses. I mean, he had an 89.2 pass rush grade among the second behind um, another SCC player from a year ago. So, yeah, he, he was much better in 2020 than he was in 2021. Yeah, it's look, it, and that's one of those things, all right, you ask yourself, why? Why were the numbers different? Why were the sack totals? Why was there a drop-off? Was all of a sudden that junior year, you were now all of a sudden on the scouting report, the radar of other teams, and you became a focal point. Now South Carolina doesn't have the other star athletes like in Alabama or Georgia to where it's difficult to center on one individual. And maybe Ignabari became that one guy that opposing teams really focused on when they played South Carolina. Yeah, and, 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 and even though the numbers stick out more in 20. 20, 21, he led the team in sacks, 11 quarterbacks. It led uh, his team with 45 quarterback rushes, fifth in the SEC, only behind Aiden Hutchinson, according to Pro Football Focus. So uh, there were other things he can do, but 2020 was really his breakout. Um, he played in 12 games in 19, but he only started one. So he's a guy that obviously, you know, I think he'll be a, maybe, a, uh, maybe a late first, if not early second round pick. Another need for the Cardinals. Edge rusher. Edge rusher, and then also interior defensive line. As we get to number 23 on Mike Jarecki's big board, 23 also happens to be where the Cardinals are picking in the 2022 NFL draft. At 23, Georgia defensive tackle, Devontae White, senior, 6'3", 304, certainly an athletic, physical freak and dominant when you talk about that Georgia front. Yeah, and you know what? If he's on, if he's on the board, I think you know. Even though the Cardinals need a pass rusher, I still think they need to improve that offensive, uh, defensive line. You got to get, you know, nothing against Lucky and Rashad Lawrence and you know Dogby. Obviously, you got J.J. Watt, but um, there's different ways to get to the quarterback. But you're talking about a guy that's you know his wingspan's about 78, um, his arms are about 33. 2021 second team Associated Press All American, first team in the SEC. 
Last year, 89.8 pro fo- uh, focus defense grade, uh, which is really high. Um, he initially started playing at Hutchinson Community College, so he's been a late bloomer. But the last couple of years, though, he's played in 24 games, um, about 113 total tackles, tackle for losses, 12, and then five uh, sacks. But uh, you look at his size, I, I mean, he would be a plug-and-play guy, possibly even his first-year rotation guy. And the comparison is Malik Collins. And we got a chance to see Malik Collins when he was with the Houston Texans. Um, highly active defensive tackle with decent strength. Um, his strengths are initial punch, lands with a pop. Lateral quickness can beat guys uh, with his uh, hands off the ball. Weaknesses, he has a tendency to go too high um, where he's got to stay with low pad level. But he's a guy that can definitely work on. But he's – I I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't um it wouldn't surprise me if he was in the running at number 23. Mel Kuyper Jr.'s third mock draft mocked Devontae Wyatt to the Cardinals at number 23. And Kuyper wrote, he'll, take, he'll help take some pressure off J.J. Watt. And here's another player uh, in the senior year perform well during the senior bowl practices, according to Daniel Jeremiah. So it's not a position as far as interior defensive line that we focus a lot about. But considering where you are and who might be available, you know, do you take the sixth best wide receiver or do you take one of the top two defensive tackles? And I, I don't know if it was Drew or maybe it was Kyle Vandenbosch, and he that was a great point. The teams you play in your division, they're going to run the football. I mean, yeah, they, they, you know, we don't know if it's Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo. We know Matthew Stafford obviously to play action, but initially they're going to try to run the football. And you got to think with Seattle, if they have to go with Drew Locke, they're going to run the football. So, I mean, stopping the run and getting teams, you just don't want to get gashed where there's third and two, third and three all the time. And, Craig, I mean, these players from Georgia and Alabama, I mean, they're going to they're gonna load up on this first couple days in the draft. I mean, I can't say enough about what Georgia has done under uh, Mark Rick, and we know what Saban has done, and I'm, I'm a big fan of what Jimbo Fisher's done at Texas A&M, but Georgia and Alabama will dominate this draft. Well, they are proven commodities, those players, because Georgia's playing into the college football national playoff, playing in the national championship, winning the national championship. So keep an eye on Devontae Wyatt and where he might be pegged and where he might fall. He, uh, he, 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 maybe Bruce Feldman has all – I don't know how many he has. He, he made the freak list uh, reportedly a 4, 8, 7, 40, 31 vert, 9.3 uh, broad, bench 385, squat 585. He's a, he's a big juice person, orange juice, any type of juice, minute-made juice – He's tried to, and he's tried to uh, lay off to lose weight in this offseason here. So he's a big guy. Um, we'll see. I, I don't. Three hundred seven pounds to me is fine playing defensive lineman. Well, we talk about Georgia and those players. Wyatt's teammate comes in at number twenty-two. Linebacker Nicobe Dean Jr. 5'11", 229, off-ball linebacker, but highly, highly productive, and certainly ran the gamut as far as filling the stat sheets was concerned last season. Yeah, 2021 Buckus Award winner, nation's top linebacker, first team All-SEC. Uh, in 2020, led his team with tackles 71. Now you look at his numbers. Um, he's appeared in 39 games in three years. He started 25 solo tackles, 89, 168 total tackles, 13, five tackle for losses. Um, he, he's being compared to uh, Devin Bush. So with the way that uh, Lance Zerline's explosive three-down linebacker with the demeanor and quickness to become a violent, volume tackler, 
uh, holding down in all three downs. He explosive. He can uh, rarely avoids gap by the running backs. Fearless to attack the uh, the, the the line of scrimmage uh, weaknesses. Uh, built a little stocky, lacking ideal size and length, but his instincts will overcome that. Well, he's not afraid to one physical contact and then also work his way into the backfield. A team high ten and a half tackles for loss last season, and then the ability six passes defensed. Two interceptions, one return for a score. Very, very productive. Not a need, though, for the Cardinals when you have Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. But Kobe Dean is one of those names and another Georgia player. Yeah, Buckus Award winner is the nation's top uh, linebacker, third to win it to win high school and college award after Manti Teo and Jalen Smith. So obviously he's a guy, and, and I like the way you described him because that's everything I'm reading, off the ball linebacker. So he's a very active guy, and I think his numbers reflect that. The last player on Mike Jarecki's big board as far as we count down from 30 to 21, another defensive player, number 21 on Mike Jarecki's top 50 draft prospects, Michigan safety Daxton Hall, 6 feet, 191. He's a junior, another one of those players that is not afraid of the physical contact. No, and, and you look at him, and, and a lot of people think that he could be more of a, like a box safety um, where to where he can play in the box, so – when I look at him, it's he's a, it's a, stand, a situation where he, he's a guy that, you know, maybe he'll get uh, drafted a little bit higher, um, but he he's definitely turning heads. And I think they look at him as more of a hybrid player that can play a couple different positions. I liked what Todd McShay had to write about Daxton Hall. He plays the safety position with a linebacker mentality, but he has a cornerback's body. And that's basically taking two layers of your defense and – Three players wrapped up in one, someone who's able to handle the tackling, get into the backfield, 11 passes, defense, two interceptions. I mean, he's bigger than a Buda Baker, but someone that you have no problem if you are a defensive coordinator having Daxton Hall deep safety, middle linebacker as far as a box safety is concerned, or up near the line of scrimmage, rush the passer. Yeah, and, and, and I wonder, you know, Based on his size, I wonder if he can, if, can he play corner too. Because I, I mean, they're looking at him more as a box safety. But I wonder what his foot footwork and his speed is like to where this guy could be one of the. You know, I don't want to get into like Isaiah Simmons where he can do a lot of things because you want to settle down and do a couple of things that well. But I just wonder what teams value him when it comes to where he where he can play. Played safety in college, but perhaps move, and we see this a lot. Teams will move players once they get to the next level. It happens all the time from high school to college, not as much from college to the NFL. But when you run a 4-3-8-40 and have a 33-and-a-half-inch vertical jump, maybe, maybe you do see him more project and do maybe a little bit of a hybrid depending on what offenses you're facing that particular week. Yeah, 6 feet, 191 pounds. You mentioned a 4-3-8, the vert. 33-5, yeah. I mean, it's um, – again, when you look at it, according to the Lance Zerline, hybrid safety, nickel, outstanding blend of speed, explosiveness, and coverage ability. He is smooth, twitchy athlete. I wonder if this guy can play both safety and linebacker and corner because, man, he would, he would fill a lot of needs there. Um, according to the scout, he's fast, he's athletic. It wouldn't surprise me if a tree, team tried to move him full-time cornerback. I think he has that kind of potential, according to an AFC scout. It's going to be one of those discussion points, and 
we're having it with Cardinal fans and Cardinal coaches as far as what do you do when you have a versatile athlete, i.e. Isaiah Simmons, where is he best fit? Can he move him around? Sometimes that's great in theory, but not so great in execution. You want to kind of just focus on one position, one position alone. Yeah, and, 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 you know, he played in the tough conference. I mean, they run the ball in the Big Ten, obviously playing on that Michigan defense. Uh, you know, that was a big win for them, beating Ohio State. So um, I think he can be a, a maybe a late first-round pick. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes late first round, early second round um, because of his versatility and his athleticism, and you cannot teach four three eight speed. Safety Daxton Hall wraps up our countdown from 30 to 21 on Mike Jarecki's top 50 big board as far as draft prospects and names now, and even what we just, some of the names that we discussed. But now as you get into the top 20, which we'll do continuing getting closer and closer to draft day, but we'll hit numbers 20 to 11 when we next speak here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. More recognizable names and obviously names that perhaps could be within reach of the Cardinals at number 23. Yeah, I mean, you're going to start to hear some names, and, and there's going to be a little shakeup of my top 20 just because of, again, I don't know if there's a clear number one pick. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson's in there. You look a couple of the Georgia players, but it's going to be fascinating just to see a, how many quarterbacks come out the board in the top 15? How many uh, edge rushers and how many tackles? And then it's and then it's going to get interesting with the wide receivers. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds because we all know Craig, there's always a run in a certain position, and then teams, well, you're going to get the sixth uh, edge rusher. Teams get a little scared. Yes, and so all of a sudden now you, you change your focus and you start looking at other d- directions. But um, it's it's going to be an interesting draft because. Like Daniel Jeremiah said, I think it's 25 to 45. It's really the same player. It's just what you're looking for. All right, so the next time we address the fan base here, numbers 20 to 11, and then obviously we still have the top 10 to get to as well. But this is a fun exercise. Enjoy it. Mike Jarecki puts in a lot of work, and hopefully this kind of gives a little background on some of these draft prospects. Again, the Cardinals picking at number 23. Do they move up? Do they move down? But it is certainly something that people have a lot of interest in when it comes to the Cardinals are on the clock Thursday, April 28th. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amahandro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.